Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Fred Joyle. Doing something every day is really powerful because the brain says, this is who we are. Do it once a week, once every two weeks, you're a dabbler and the brain knows it. And you have to restart yourself every time. When you commit to every day, anything, this is a life skill. Anything that's important to you, you want to get to it every day. Even if it's for five minutes, the brain checks in and the brain works on it in your subconscious at the same time, if you do it every day. So that's the pride method. Hi there and welcome back to Amplify. My name is Bob Gentle and every week I speak to incredible people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then while you still have your device on your hand, take a second to subscribe. And if you're a regular subscriber, take a moment perhaps to leave a rating or a review. So this week, I'm really pleased to have Fred Joyle with me. And we're going to be speaking about confidence. We're going to be speaking about cultivating the superpower of super boldness. Fred, welcome to the show. Bob, really excited to be here. Thank you. I, I mentioned to you earlier, I get pitched by probably about four or five guests a, a day, actually. I think I have something like a 99% rejection rate because most of the time I'm going out looking for the guests that are just the perfect fit. But yours was the perfect fit. So for the listener who hasn't read your books, hasn't discovered Fred Joyle yet, can you maybe just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work that you do? Sure. So back in the 80s, I started a dentist referral service. I was working in the advertising world and wanted to start my own business and was young and naive enough to think I could pull it off. And it turned into the largest dental referral service in the US. And over the course of 25 years in aggregate, somebody said, well, how much did you make if you added up all the money you generated? It was over a billion dollars of revenue. And I had never really done that because if you're successful for that long, it, it adds up. And learned a tremendous amount about business and what to do and what not to do. And also developed my public speaking skills and my writing skills. I published a couple of marketing books for my industry and it, you know became the face and voice of my brand and eventually my brand became separate from the business i became very well known in the dental industry as a marketing guru for lack of a better term and the next chapter of my life was about what i had learned from being a very shy, underconfident person growing up where I had just missed so many opportunities and it was so frustrating to me and even angering to me at times. And I would see bold people and I just couldn't figure out why they were behaving the way they were. Why, why weren't they experiencing rejection like I was and, and hesitating? And, and so I eventually just started emulating them as uncomfortable as that was. And realized that boldness was a superpower. Doors opened for you that you weren't expecting and opportunities presented themselves and could be seized in completely different ways than an underconfident person imagines. So I eventually wrote a book on how to do this in a much faster way than I did it over decades. Uh, so that's why my latest book is called Super Bold, from underconfident to charismatic in 90 days. And it's a systematic way that anyone from wherever they are can develop their confidence and boldness 
in a much more accelerated way and develop a methodology for doing it and growing their boldness really for the rest of their life. That's what I'm doing. I, I'm working on my boldness still all the time. And it's been very rewarding. I think this is one of the things that a lot of people underestimate is something like boldness or charisma. It's it's not something that you unlock. It's a, a quality that you, you can cultivate to the point where it's useful, but you can continue to cultivate it way beyond that. I think confidence is very situational. And I know from myself, you do describe yourself as a painfully shy child. And I identify with that very strongly. A lot of people now would think that I'm very confident, but I'm very confident in the things that I've become confident in. I'm not confident in many other things. So I'm I'm thrilled that actually you identify as continuing to work on that. Because I think anybody that tells you they've finished working on that, they didn't understand it in the first place. Yeah. And as you say, there are, it is situational. They will have areas of their life where they're completely confident. I mean, they're not shy with their family and their friends, but put them in, in a situation where they are uncomfortable. Suddenly they, they hesitate, they, they can't speak or they, they miss the opportunity completely. The window just opens and closes because, you know, I often tell people sometimes it's not carpe diem. It's not seize the day. It's, uh, it's carpe carpe momenti. It's it is it's seize the moment because it's not gonna it's not gonna be all day that that opportunity is gonna present itself. And what I do is I help people find those areas. They may say, well, "Look, I'm really great one to one with people. As soon as I get in front of an audience or I get in front of a team, I crumble. Or if I see somebody I really want to meet, whether it's a famous actor or athlete or business person, I, I, I got nothing. I, I, I can't do it. I, I freeze. And I say, that's what you, what super boldness is, is you can bring your boldness to any situation. Even if you don't feel confident, you know what to do. Boldness actually builds your confidence. Cause I, I really make an important distinction here. People say, well, what's the difference between confidence and boldness? huge difference. Confidence is how you feel in any situation. Boldness is what you do. You don't even need confidence to be bold. You just need to decide to do it. Boldness is a choice. Confidence is a feeling. Boldness is a choice to act. Big difference. It's very similar to the definition of courage, which is the decision to move in the face of fear. But it is qualitatively slightly different. I think what would be useful is to maybe put some context in this. And I think what I would maybe ask is, you, you mentioned you struggled with boldness in your youth. How did that manifest and how did you uncover the steps towards being a little bit more intentional about boldness? It manifested everywhere, pretty much in my youth, <laughs> except with my close friends. I couldn't ask a girl to dance. I couldn't ask them on a date. Eventually, situations came up where, where it was so easy to do that I actually did it. But, you know, from a work standpoint, the example I point out in the book is I was working in this business. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my career. So I worked in all different jobs just to make money and and be able to 
bounce around and travel and do stuff. And I was working in this machine shop and I was on the shop floor as an assistant. And the owner said, well, you're a really smart guy. He says, I think you could be one of our salespeople. And so he brought me up to the office and he, he sat me down at a desk, gave me a phone and a list of all the businesses in the state. And he said, start calling these businesses and see if they want to do business from us, with us. They, if they want if they have something they need that we could, we could machine for them. I couldn't dial the phone one time back to the machine shop floor for me. <laughs> and it was so frustrating. It's like, wow, I, I, I literally can't do this. And so it was, it was such a, a, a glaring miss because it, it could have been the beginning of, of a life skill of learning how to sell. And, and obviously, as, as a salesperson, you understand that you're going to make 100 calls, you're going to talk to 10 people, you're going to close one. It's basic. Right? So you can't be afraid to dial the phone because you're going to have to dial it 90 times before you get somebody to talk to you, probably. You know, people who do real estate, they go door to door. It seems ridiculous, except they've proven statistically that between 50 and 100 door knocks, you're going to find somebody who's thinking about selling their house that becomes a client. But most of them, most of them, even working in real estate, can't do it. It's like, oh, I can't take the rejection. It's like, well, that's because you've labeled the rejection as some sort of failure. Whereas a successful, bold person labels it as one step closer. And so I, I had so I had stacks of these things in my life. And it just, I said, I've got to fix it. And I, I eventually had bold moments when I started working in advertising that brought out a certain level of boldness in me because I was really in love with my work. I just thought it was so brilliant that I would pitch it really well. And they would bring me into pitch meetings, even though I was the junior copywriter, because I would pitch with such enthusiasm and confidence. And that was like my gateway into discovering boldness as a superpower. And then I said, I, I got to transfer this to everything in my life. So I think a lot of people, they make excuses for themselves and they, they just assume, well, I'm a shy person. I'm not a charismatic person. There are people who will push themselves to the front. They're pushy and they always get all the opportunities and they just settle like that. And I think what I love about your story is that that's, you didn't settle. And I think as a role model for a lot of people to understand, yeah, how did that work? And Obviously, that's the whole thrust of your book, but you talk about having a process towards cultivating that quality of boldness. And obviously, nobody wants to go through 25 years of hell to cultivate that. So how have you codified that into a process that people can work through? Because the truth is, there are so many opportunities. This is the Personal Brand Entrepreneur Show. Personal branding is all about communicating your genius to the world. And there are so many people who have a lot of value, the signal is so weak that nobody's ever going to receive it. It comes down to boldness. So how can we cultivate this boldness in a, in a more intentional way? Understand that boldness is, is like a muscle. It is, it is something you build by daily activity that is essentially pushing you into your discomfort zone. If you're trying to get in shape, you're doing physically uncomfortable things. You're running, you're lifting weights, you're, you know, because if, if you're trying to get in shape and, and you, you walk for three minutes a day, it, nothing happens. 
if you, you know, if you work with three pound dumbbells, you're not going to get any stronger. You have to strain your, your muscles to make them stronger. You have to strain your boldness muscle to get stronger. And so I have what's called the pride method, which is an acronym for P. The P stands for preparation. R stands for relaxing. I stands for insights, D stands for dosage, and E stands for everyday action. And these are the the steps. This is a systematic way to do boldness exercises, but then also to to say, okay, I'm in a situation, I really want to meet that business person. She's she's one of my idols, and I'm going to get tongue-tied if I go over to her. What do I do? The thing is, nobody teaches any of this stuff. This happened, I was teaching high school kids this and realizing they didn't know this because I didn't, nobody taught me any of this. Nobody taught me anything like, like good social skills. So I define myself. I want to go back to that thought of you, when you define yourself as shy, instead of saying, I behave shy in certain situations, I am underconfident in certain situations. You say, I'm an introvert. Well, I tell people I'm a bold introvert. Because I, I would default to just being by myself, except that I didn't want to do that. So I now I choose not to, even though I say, ah, I don't want to talk to anybody at this party. So instead, I talk to 10 people at the party. And I defeat the reflex to the point where now boldness is my default mode. And it starts with preparation. I, I want to break down a, a little bit more the steps just so, just so you know. So stop me if you want some color on each one. No, you but, just go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, 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 I'll run through them a little quickly and then we could dive deeper into exercises, for example, that you would do. Preparation is that first step. And we don't, we, we don't prepare ourselves with social skills. We think that should be automatic somehow. And mostly we've got, we're surrounded by bad examples that, that people do all of these things because they're underconfident in certain situations. We emulate that instead of the proper preparation. So let's say you've decided you want to start flexing your boldness muscle. So you're going to talk to somebody at, at the coffee shop every day. So somebody in front of you in the line. And, and so what you're going to do is prepare what you're going to say. You're going you're gonna to look at them and say, what, what, what would be an interesting thing to compliment them on? Maybe they have a really interesting beard or, or a mustache or their hair color is really interesting or the clothes really look good or unique on them. Any number, or they got a nice smile. You're going to find that thing to say and, and rehearse it in your head. So that, so that you have something. And this is, I, I point this out to people is you don't necessarily have to say that. When you get good at developing your boldness, you're still going to prepare, but it's, it's the foundation for you being spontaneous because now you've got something you're going to say, but in the moment you could suddenly say something else. You could walk up to them and they could, they could turn to you and look at you and say, Wow, they have amazing eyes. I, I have to say something. Or those those eyeglasses are so unique. I, I want to know where they got them. And suddenly you have this strength to be spontaneous and improvise in the moment because you've prepared. So that happens to me all the time when I do a lecture. I'll prepare a whole lecture. I may not do half of it 
because I'm so attentive to the audience that I, in the moment I can discover what they need because I know what I could say, but it's not necessarily what I'm going to say because I want to, I want to focus on what works best in the moment. That just takes preparation. The next step is relaxing and nobody teaches us how to relax. They say, why don't you just relax? And it's like, because I don't know how <laughs> that's why I don't relax. And so, but it's there's some really simple techniques for relaxing breathing before I hit the stage. And I, if I had a big audience, 5,000 people, I'm going to take three deep breaths backstage and then I'm going to shake my whole body to, to really just relax my physiology. Because when we're anxious or nervous, we tighten up. We are, we'll suddenly discover we're doing all of these things. We're folding our arms, we're crossing our legs. We got our hands blocking our genitals. We're, whatever the hell we're doing that communicates, we're tense. And you, you can just release it. The body responds to that and it responds to breathing. You can even go the next level and vibrate the vagus nerve, which is runs down the center of your body. And it will physically relax you if you just make a certain sound. And once you realize you can relax yourself, that's relaxing. Just a preparation also relaxes you. So it, it's a, it, they, all of the steps of the pride method build off each other. The next part is having insights. And I, I learned this by observing bold people and, and how they acted and how, what their mindset was. And they understand that this one big thing that people are not thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. <laughs> They're thinking about themselves and, and, and they have, a, and we all have judgments about everybody. And they're based on almost no information at all. We, 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 we hear one thing that they say, or we look at their expression, or we look at what they're wearing or their hairstyle, and we create a judgment about who they are. I'm wrong about 90, 95% of the time. So when I talk to them, I discover who they actually are. And so I don't trust that judgment. And then I also realize they have a judgment about me that's based on nothing or virtually nothing. And I can't worry about that because that's out of my control. So when you release yourself from other people's judgments, it's really powerful insight. And also bold people know that most of the time, nothing bad happens, except if you label it that way. They decide not to be embarrassed. They decide not to worry about feeling awkward. They embrace it. They go, wow, I'm feeling really awkward in this situation. And they'll even call it out in front of somebody and say, like, I, I, I know I seem really awkward right now. And it's because I'm so impressed with you and how successful you are. <laughs> and, and that relaxes them. And then the other person says, wow, you're, you're a human being. That's, and, and, but you're actually open about your, your awkwardness. And, your, and what happens is your awkwardness goes away. So it's, and there's, there's key insights like, that, that help us shift our mindset as we're trying to take bold action. And then the other step, the D in the pride method is dosage, controlling the intensity of the experience. So that it's not overwhelming, but it's uncomfortable. Go back to the weightlifting analogy. If you if you want to get stronger, you don't start with 300 pounds and a bench press. You're going to start with 80, 75, 50, whatever you can handle and push yourself 
gradually up. You're going to control the weight. With boldness, you're going to control the intensity. If you say, look, I, I really want to get good at public speaking, so I'm going to book a room and have a thousand people in it and then see, what, see how it goes. I can tell you right now how it's going to go really badly because it's too it's overwhelming it's it's an overdose you're gonna you're gonna be so nervous on stage you're gonna clam up you're gonna forget everything that you want to say and we see this happen to people all the time people who are brilliant musicians or performers in in a small group or that they've practiced suddenly they get a big audience they're forgetting the piece halfway through and making dozens of mistakes that they would never make because they did a dosage leap. They overdosed themselves. So just like anything else, you're, you're titrating towards your tolerance gradually. And that's what the, and that leads to the, the E in the pride method, which is everyday action. Do something every day towards building your boldness. Make some bold moves every day. Because when you do that, the brain says, oh, I guess this is who we are now. Because the brain's looking for the easy way out. The brain is trying to conserve energy because the brain is 2% of our body weight and 20% of our calorie consumption. So it's it's constantly in conserve mode. It's, it's waiting for you to say, oh, we're not going to try that hard. Great. I'll check out. But if you say, no, no, I have to fully engage. I have to fully listen. I have to be aware. I have to embrace my discomfort. The brain says, all right, well, all right, that's, that's my job. We're, we're going to be bold. And the other thing that happens neurologically is you will actually build new neural pathways based on your bold behavior. And even better, your underconfident and shy neural pathways, your former default mode those neural pathways will literally atrophy over time. And, and you'll feel the shift when you work on these things. So doing something every day is really powerful because the brain says, this is who we are. Do it once a week, once every two weeks, you're a dabbler and the brain knows it. And you have to restart yourself every time. When you commit to every day, anything, this is a life skill. Anything that's important to you, you want to get to it every day even if it's for five minutes so then the bread says the brain checks in and the brain works on it in your subconscious at the same time if you do it every day so that's the pride method what i love about this is it really is a roadmap to resetting your identity and it's so simple and it, it strikes me as so very similar to i, I used to run marathons and you would meet people and say, oh, I could never do that. And you, as a marathon runner, no, they, they could easily do it. It's just you need to take these baby steps. You need to train every day. You need to be constantly building that muscle. And very, very quickly, your identity shifts to, I'm an athlete. What you described in this process is something that I've absolutely been through. I, am, I was a painfully shy child. I've almost stumbled through the process that you've described there, but actually codifying it like that takes it from a stumbling idea that's almost unconscious, this is what I should be doing, to something that, like you said, it's, it's a roadmap to a life skill. I can see this for so many people being a gateway into a whole new life that it's thrilling, really. It's, I can see this as for some people, as being the right of their life. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, my goal is for somebody to be able to bring their full self 
to whatever situation that they're in. Because a lot of people, most people are, are interesting and, and unique and rather amazing if you get to know them. But they're so hesitant to reveal that because they feel like it's going to be judged or rejected. And when you, you decide not to think that way, life opens up and, and, and you start to take bold action and you say, this is, this is how I want to live. I don't, if, I don't want to pursue comfort as a goal. Com your comfort zone is a place to go to restore yourself and then go back out into the world and be uncomfortable trying new things, experiencing something different, meeting more people, ex being vulnerable to, to connect more deeply with people. You know, it's very easy when you feel shy to say, I don't really need people. This is, this is, this is a story we tell ourselves. Well, the reality is in our DNA, we are social animals. We, we are, this is how we took over the planet is we learn to function as social people. We, we need this in our life. And if you shut this off, if you block this, if you convince yourself you don't need it, you're playing it safe. And who, who wants it on their tombstone that, that where they say, I played it as safe as possible the whole way. And it was really, really satisfying that nobody says that. <laughs> but what, what happens is decades go by, you know, Bob, I'm older than you, and I, I got to tell you, I'm sure you've probably started to notice it. It's like, where did those five years go? How can it be five years later already? Well, it turns into 10 years at my age. It's like, how can it be this decade? How can I be having another decade birthday and, you know, anniversary here? It doesn't seem possible. Um, See, but I might be a little bit, I might be a little bit older, uh, younger than you, but I definitely, if I were to look back on my career and my life so far, I think what's one thing I should have done differently? Everything can be extrapolated back to boldness and just being more comfortable with being uncomfortable, trying a little harder, putting myself in the situations that I let other people put themselves into and so that they could see the successes. So many people, they fail to bet on themselves and that bet, the chips go down on the table with boldness, 100%. And, and what bold people know is, is that fearing failure is the real failure. It's like letting the fear of failure stop you from acting guarantees your failure because you're not going to try. Whereas they say, I'm going to try. It's probably could very well be a total disaster. But somewhere in that is some information for me to step up. So that it, it is not a, a reason to retreat. It's a reason to mine that information, to say, oh, fear is just full of information. It's a way for me to restart with more information, to re do something more intelligently with more skill. So they'll bumble into stuff all the time. Uh, and I do it too. I say, yep, this is, this is definitely the deep end of the pool for me, but it's, it's outside my comfort zone, but it's not the doses using so, so crazy that I'm going to be incoherent or whatever, or I'm going to fail at it. But you need boldness to do th important things. There have been going to be pivotal moments in your life where you're going to need to step up or stand up or take action or speak up. And you want to be able to act in that moment. The, the example, I, I used several examples, but you, you, sometimes you're in a marriage and you need to 
speak up about your expectations in that marriage. And people say, well, I don't want to do it with, you know, she might react and say, look, I don't want to be with you if that's what you want. And you say, you should, bold person says, great. I'm glad I found that out because that's what I want. Instead, we, we're hesitant to speak up because we don't want to jeopardize this comfort that we have. But what happens is 20 years later, you go, yeah, I should have, should have wrapped this up 20 years ago when I, when I, I first had the instinct. Or you just lay out your expectations and you work through it. But the, the starting a business, raising money for a business, you you got to be bold enough to do that, to 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 speak at a, a funeral of somebody who's really important to you. I always I meet so many people who who don't speak in, at their parents funeral. I was like, oh, I'm not good at public speaking. It's like I hate public speaking. I don't like to speak in front of people. It's like this isn't a presentation. This is you talking about how you feel about this person and the impact that they had on your entire life. And this is, this is a window that's going to shut. And it, so often I'm, I'm that guy that gets up and speaks first because nobody says anything. Says, Would anybody like to say anything? Nobody says anything until I open the floodgate and 30 people later, <laughs> all these people have gotten up and expressed something. But everybody's sitting there. Nobody wants to be first. You know what bold people want to do? Be first. So maybe they can go again. <laughs> you know, and and I didn't get to eulogize my dad because the the priests wouldn't allow it at the time. It was it was a Catholic service. And years later, my cousin had the same problem. His his mom died. And the priest said, no, no, we only let people read from the, the liturgy that you can't, the, there's nobody up that, that can st stand up in church and say anything. So he said, okay, fine. Let me read, you know, the epistle from St. Paul. So he stands up, he reads the epistle for St. Paul, and then he proceeds to take the next 15 minutes to talk about how much his, he, his mother meant to him and just tell interesting stories about her. He was like, I don't care about your rules. This is my mom and this is my moment. And this room is full of people that loved her. And I want them to all know how much I loved her. And no, nobody stopped him. The priest sat there, I'm sure grumbling to himself, but the priest did, wasn't bold enough to stop him, which was great. <laughs> but I, I watched him do that. and went, God bless him for, for doing that because that's what we needed. To, we needed to laugh. We needed to feel her. And feel his loss and at the same time feel his joy and appreciation about his mom. And he just said, I don't care. I'm not going to let somebody stop me. And that's what bold people do is they never stop themselves. They let somebody else try to stop them. And that's what makes people uncomfortable. They say, oh, no, well, that, that, she's an attention whore. She's, you know, she, you know, she makes people uncomfortable. It's like, no, she's just doing what she ought to be doing or chasing her dreams. And the fact that you're uncomfortable when she does that is actually, that's a you problem, not a her problem. And that's, it's a great shift. I, I think one of the, the things that I always tell customers when they're talking about their anxiety around their being visible, for example, is the truth that one third of people probably won't like you. One third of people will not care, but one third of people will love you. And 
your job is to show up for the one third that love you, but it's the fear around the other two thirds that often prevents it. And what I love about your process is that it gives a clear structure around showing up for that one third who really do love you. And I think anybody listening to this podcast, you're here is the personal brand entrepreneurial people. Your job is to show up. But so many people struggle with that one particular thing because it just often looks so big and they're comparing themselves with other people who are doing similar things. And what I love about your process is it's not waiting for the big moment to, to come along and then it's everything on red, but it, it's preparing for that moment. It's cultivating the skills, sort of pushing out that elastic comfort zone so that when you do need to step up and show up, it's not actually as big a deal as it would have been if you'd waited. It's this whole military thing of train hard, fight easy. Yeah. You do the training so that when it hits the fan, it's not a big deal. Well, there's that that's gr- the, the great expression uh, that you it, in these situations, in these critical situations, you will not rise to the level of your expectation. You will fall to the level of your training. That's what building your boldness muscle is for. You're going to do these things where where it is actually zero risk. Talking to a stranger is zero risk. I want to go and and part of that is you if you need everybody to like you, you've set the bar impossibly high. It's <laughs> as you say, a third of the people. You know, when I do a lecture. 10% of the people are going to think I'm an idiot, a complete idiot. And it's it's something going on in their head or everything I say is totally irrelevant to them or they've heard it all before or whatever and they don't believe it, whatever. 10% are going to become raving fans. And then everybody else is, is in between. So I can't worry about the 10% who think I'm an idiot. I'm not going to convert them any more than I would convert somebody to vote for a different party <laughs> than they normally vote for by my clever you know, diatribe about their party. I, I'm going to focus on some, I'm going to, instead, I want to find out how they think, about, why they think the way they do, what's led them to believe what they believe. I'm going to be so interested in them that they're forced to find out how I think. So when, when you let go of that need for everyone's love, that impossible need, because if that's your safety need, you're in a lot of trouble. And, it, and you know it's nonsense when you say it out loud. But that's what we need. Oh, I, I don't want anybody to judge me negatively. Guess what? It's happening completely out of your control anyway. And I think it's actually really important in your your practices. You talk about the preparation, relaxation, insights, dosage, and everyday actions. And I think the everyday actions will teach us that when things go wrong, the world doesn't end. Nothing explodes. Nobody gets shot most of the time you will get negative reactions and that will be okay and you'll become accustomed to it just as much as you get great reactions. That's how you build the muscle. You have good training days and bad training days. You learn from all of them. And you choose, uh, you realize that you can't actually die of embarrassment. It feels that way, but it's not a medical diagnosis. It's all in your head. And it's a it's a choice to be embarrassed or humiliated. Uh, my favorite example of this is a, is a friend of mine, she's speaking in front of an audience, about 500 people. So a good size audience. She's about 10 minutes into her presentation on stage and she breaks one of her high heels. 
Now, the women in the audience gasp at, at when this happens because that's horrifying to them that something like that would happen to them on stage. They're already in awe that she's willing to get on stage. And then when something potentially humiliating happens, but and and she could have just said, excuse me, and, and walked off stage or just just overreacted in all sorts of uh, inhibited or uh, underconfident ways. Instead, she kicks off her high heels and says, well, I guess I got to start, start spending more than $30 on shoes. And the whole audience, because they're so nervous for her, they just burst out laughing. And at that point, she owns them because she, they admired her for being public speaking. Now they her, admire her for, for her aplomb in this incredibly, potentially embarrassing situation. She made a choice to make it funny rather than embarrassing. And, and now they just say, wow, she's amazing. But she's also human. Stuff can go wrong. But she decides to roll with it. Roll with everything. And don't label it as, you don't have to label it as bad. You can label it as, oh, this makes me really human. Or this is a golden opportunity to get a laugh out of the crowd and lay out my human side. So one of the things I love about the people who do the kind of work you do is you get to work with people and help them into real life changes. And I'm curious on behalf of the listener to know with all the people you've worked with, do you have any great stories of people who have had really tremendous breakthroughs? Because I think they're often very motivating and, ident and identifiable for people. It, it, yeah, I, I had one woman who she's a, a dentist and she's, she's uh, Indian by origin, East Indian. And she's she's got a bit of an accent. Accent. Her her English is, is not perfect at all. But she wanted to, you know, she's she climbs mountains in the Himalayas, and and wants to tell people that experience, and bring people along and do this. So, but so she was, she wanted to tell the story. She says, "I want to do this on stage," and so she tells the story. And she tells this incredible experience of, of nearly freezing on the top of the mountain and her Sherpa bringing her to the top of the mountain. It was his determination and what, you know, what he did to, to get her there so that she was at the top of this mountain and she could see sunrise coming up over, over Everest in the distance. And she tells it like she found an interesting new app on her phone. She, it's like so low key that, that I finally said, I said, do you realize how few people have climbed the Himalayas? Okay. Nobody in the audience has, has been at 20,000 feet. Okay. And knows how little. So tell it, feel it, let us feel it. And, and she got to that point and I, I said, no, no, I want you to move like you're moving, trying to take those steps up the up the mountain i want you to tell this story and she said at one point i couldn't tie my shoes i couldn't make the last 70 meters to the to the top of the mountain we were trying to climb and i thought this is far enough i've gotten this far i can see everest it's uh, this is my dream and he said no no top of the mountain that's where you're going and she said but i can't i i, I can't even 
take a step at this point and, and, and my shoes are untied and I can't untie them. I can't take my gloves off. It's freezing to, to retie them. And he kneels down, pulls off his gloves and reties her shoes for her. And he says, we're going to take three steps at a time, take a breath, three steps at a time. And, and that got her all the way to the top. And so I made her keep telling it till she was telling it how she felt it. And by the, the third time she told it, she said, and he knelt down and retied my shoes. She burst into tears because she finally connected with that feeling. And when she did that, you could see the whole room, because this was it's in a classroom setting, the whole room leaned forward because now they were fully engaged with what she actually experienced. And that was her epiphany moment was she said, no, no, I can be 100% vulnerable with my feelings in front of 30 people and they will experience what I experienced rather than me telling them. Because otherwise they could read it, you know, send them a letter, send them an email telling <laughs> them this story. But I, I want to feel what it's like to be at 20,000 feet. I want to, her whole story was her relationship with the Sherpa, but she didn't reveal it. But when she finally, she didn't allow herself to feel it. And when she finally did, she allowed us to feel it. And I, and I, and I said to everybody in the room, I said, if you can't connect to the emotion of what you're telling us, people listening to you are not going to connect. You have to be able to connect and express that emotion. It is a life skill to be able to communicate your ideas effectively, passionately, so that people understand and appreciate and are drawn in. That's all charisma is, is you are so connected to who you truly are and so confident to act in this situation or so bold to act even when you're not confident that people are magnetically drawn to you. I think that's a great story. I really appreciate you telling that. And seeing the time, I'm very aware of how precious your time is. So I don't want, the reason is, there's lots of more places I want to go. And I'd really like to dig into your career and how you cultivate your own personal brand as well. But I think that's a whole nother interview. So I may have to have you back with your permission. We can do that, Bob. <laughs> but for now, if people listening are thinking, this is the guy, I, I want to take action on this. I want to learn more about Fred Joyle. I want to learn to become super bold. How can they go further with you? How can they connect with you? So fredjoyle.com is my website and you can see lectures that I've done on boldness. Uh, you can also see if you want to en enlist me to come and do a keynote address to your team, your people, what your group, whatever that is. And the book is available in hardcover, audible and Kindle versions. And it's me reading the audible. And if you are reading a, uh, or using it some sort of digital form, you can go to the website and download all the exercises because 25% of the book are all, are all of these boldness exercises that will that move you up your confidence level uh, gradually, you know, stretch your comfort zone. So you want a physical copy of that. So those are available. You can download a PDF of those from the website. And I've actually just started to do 
a two-day workshop, a super bold workshop, which has been transformational for people and really accelerates them through the process. But if you're interested in taking advantage of, of what I can offer to your people and certainly get in touch with me, it's very easy to do on the website. And Fred, my final question is, what's one thing you do now that you wish had started five years ago? I started a daily practice of talking to a stranger. And what I wish I had done five years ago, which was, which was the bigger shift, is now, because I'm trying to defeat my judgment of people, now when I look at somebody and I want to offer them a compliment, now I pick the thing that I have a negative judgment about. Oh, they're, they're, that purple hair looks stupid on them. Okay, because we all have this. We all do this, right? Uh, and I'm, or I do it. I don't know about everybody. I do it. And so instead of complimenting on something that I can appreciate, I pick that one thing that I creates a negative judgment in my mind. And two things happen. One, I see that they had purple hair for a reason. And when I say like you're, you're really working that purple hair, it looks amazing on you. And they will beam with appreciation from that, as as will anybody. Wouldn't I? I do these drive-by compliments, but I've picked this thing, <laughs> and 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 what happens is it changes my judgment of them too. At the same time, I, I'm able to release my negative judgment because I've focused on it and forced myself to be positive about it, and it, it's been that. really powerful. But when I tell people this, like, and I tell them in my, the workshops and, and situate and lectures, they say, now I don't trust you when you compliment me. <laughs> Cause I, I think, think you, you pick something weird about me that you have a judgment think, about. Yeah. I think that's the thing with inner practices is sometimes they should stay inner. Yes. And you don't tell people that you're doing them, but I can see that as extremely powerful. Yes. Talking to a stranger every day is one thing, but actually trying to understand your own judgment and how you're reacting people unconsciously is super powerful. Fred, thank you so much for your time. I've had a great fun. I've really enjoyed learning about your work. I will be reading your book next week. But for now, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Bob, for having me on.